The focus of our worship shifted on Wednesday night as we had observed Ash Wednesday. We had really a great crowd Wednesday night who came in order to consider what it means for us to be mortal, what it means for us to be in the midst of the journey of life. And so we marked one another with, with the ashes. Uh, it was a way of shifting the seasons. And so now we are in the season of Lent. This is the first Sunday of Lent. It is time of penitence and prayer, prayer for the journey, uh, our journey that we make toward Holy Week. Uh, I'm grateful that uh, First Baptist Church is a part of a Lenten observation. And so we will observe the, the season of Lent through the passages from the book of Psalms. Uh, this is a fairly neglected uh, book of the Bible in terms of preaching. We have a few chosen psalms that we preach, but that's about it. It's known as a book of poems or the lyrics to worship songs. You might think about it as praise and worship, the lyrics that, that might come, and it comes in a poetic form. In Ephesians 5.19, the Apostle Paul says, we're told to speak to one another speak to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That phrase, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, is his way of saying what we ought to be doing is immersing ourselves in the words of Scripture to the point that those ideas and those words spill out into everyday language. We're to soak ourselves in the words of Scripture. Normally on this weekend, we would be focusing on Jesus and his 40 days and 40 nights uh, as a spiritual retreat in testing. That's the, that's the gospel for this, this particular weekend. Today, however, what we'd like to do is to, to examine that experience through the lens of the Psalms. I'm going to read from our passage at Psalm 91, readings from that. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High, who abide in the shadow of the Almighty, will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, the Most High your dwelling place, no evil shall befall you, no scourge come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands, they will bear you up so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and on the adder, the young lion and the serpent. You will trample underfoot. Those who love me, I will deliver. I will protect those who know my name. When they call to me, I will answer them. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue them and honor them. With long life, I shall satisfy them and show them my salvation. A few years ago, two priests, buddies of mine at the Catholic Church just down the street from where I was the pastor, decided that they would help their church to raise money for the renovation of the Catholic Community Center, they were trying to re-energize. This was in a neighborhood, the whole neighborhood needed re-energizing. And these two 
aggressive priest decided they would do something about that. Their goal was to raise $100,000 in cash so that the church could jumpstart its plan to renovate the activity fields, the athletic fields. And they tossed around the usual ideas. You know the kinds of ideas that, that churches come up with to raise money. And they decided to do something totally unexpected. What they decided to do, they made a pledge between them that each of them would climb into a large open air box, a wooden box made of plywood attached to the top of a 20-foot utility pole. You should have seen it. It was amazing. And they would not come down until they had raised $50,000 apiece. And not only that, but the first one to reach the goal would shave the head of the other priest. Don't you know that went over just like gangbusters in the neighborhood? And they quickly became known in the neighborhood as two priests on a pole. Sounds like a food court in, in the uh, Amazon. I went over to visit my two comrades in ministry to give them some encouragement. And to be honest, they were a pitiful sight. Father Jimmy, the younger of the two, had on a bandana on his head and he had cool shades on to protect him from the sunshine. And Father Dennis, the senior padre, looked like he had spent about a week in a deer blind. And both of them looked very gamey. I went over one morning in the middle of the week when there weren't many people there and Father Dennis invited me to come up. Can you imagine? It was like going in, into... Uh, you know, the owner's booth at the stadium. I got to go up into the, the, the box on top of the pole. And I asked him, what was it like to maintain the vigil from inside a plywood box precariously attached to a tall utility pole? He said there were lots of folks that would come by to give money and offer their encouragement. Some would honk because this was right out by the street, don't you know? And the TV news crews would come by and interview them to help spread the news. And folks from all over the city understood what they were doing and were supportive of it. It was just great news in the community. And they wanted to know about their efforts and they wanted to support them and they wanted to greet them. And people came by all hours in the daytime and at night. It mattered not. People loved going by. He's, he said it was a lot like a spiritual retreat because in between the visits, it wasn't always active or busy, in between the, the uh, moments of greeting people, it was like a spiritual retreat. He said he had plenty of time to read and to pray. He'd been up there for three or four days by this time when I, I came by to see him. I've thought a lot about this. I wonder what state of mind you would be in after a few days in that kind of craziness. What would that be like for you? And to be honest, I worried about them. I worried they might be a little goofy after a while. I worried they might have an out-of-body experience or that they might hallucinate or they might start hearing voices. I tried to think this week of what it was like to spend day after day and night after night in the seclusion of such a setting and Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the wilderness. That's our gospel story today. He was preparing for the journey of his life. 
the journey of his calling. And true, during his time of testing, there weren't cars driving by him. People weren't yelling at him and TV crews didn't come by to interview him. It was a time of severe isolation and testing that made him take a long look at the inward parts of his life. It was a time when he was forced to see what he was made of. He couldn't help but be drawn to the interior of his life and that he might respond to the true test that his calling might present to him. And the Bible tells us that it was during this time that he was tempted. Maybe testing is the way of all things. Maybe all of life is a part of a grand test that we take, of being present and being in front of things. And almost any tough situation can be a test of sorts. Perhaps it comes into the, in the form of a failure that sets us back in life. Life is not always progressing forward. There are steps backward. There are regressions that happen. Maybe you lose a friend, someone dear to you, or maybe you lose a job. Either one can easily happen to any of us, and, and for most of us, I suspect that's been the way it has been. So it might come in the form of a death, and it might come in the form of a grief experience where a piece of you is cut off, and you're wounded and broken. Maybe you've spent a long day or a long night waiting in a hospital while the doctors hold your loved one's life in their hands in some medical emergency. Know that in those moments, you are experiencing something, a piece of what Jesus experienced in the wilderness. At the core of this experience, we see Jesus doing all that was in him to deny himself. And that's a part of what Lent is about, is the denial, the holding back of some things. Maybe you have named something that you wish to maintain as a spiritual practice during these 40 days. In this story, we see Jesus denying himself of what he had in obedience, I'm sorry, in abundance, in order to discover just how much he had in reserve. There's always that piece of reserve that we have within us. So this is an austere image of the one who is vitally connected to all the rich resources of the entire creation. Everything was, was at his hands. Everything was available to him, and he held back. Jesus followed the voice that beckoned him to the wilderness. This is a place just south of, uh, I'm sorry, just east of the city of Jerusalem. From the highest point of Jerusalem, you can look down and you can see the Dead Sea. And about halfway between there and there are cliffs. It's called the wilderness, the Judean wilderness. And that's where he went. This is the stark image of someone who was on a journey. Where was he going? Nowhere. What was he doing? Nothing. He was on a journey in order to follow his calling. He followed the voice that beckoned him, that called him to the wilderness, where there were no comforts and no amenities to make life easier. It looks like the backside of the moon in the Judean wilderness. It's very stripped down and bare. And Jesus did what persons of faith have always been drawn to do, to find a way to strip away all the distractions, 
How often do we do that? Not very often at all. We do that in order that we might listen to the promptings of the Spirit and so that we might be able to hear without everything crowding in upon us. I suppose that all of us have heard the sirens call at one time or another to spend more time in quietness and self-denial. This is a part of the path, the journey of spirituality that we may be called to take. And the problem comes when we try to shut down all the noise that fills our souls. It's very difficult to do this. Whenever we try to create an inner silence, we become aware of the cacophony of sounds that exist not just outside of us, but inside of us as well. It's a noise from both inside and outside. In this season of Lent, we're listening closely to the ancient poet, some of whom are by David, some are by Moses, some are by others. This is a writer, the writer, uh, a collection of poems we know as the Psalms. And in order to listen closely, I'm matching our ancient poem with a poem of our time, a poet of our day, so that they might dialogue together in some deeper meaning. For today's poetry, I've chosen a, a selection from Mary Oliver. Many of you know Mary Oliver, the poet. She died just recently. And the poem is entitled, The Journey. One day you finally knew what you had to do and began. Though the voices around you kept shouting their bad advice. Though the whole house began to tremble and you felt the old tug at your ankles. Men, my life, each voice cried. But you didn't stop. You knew what you had to do, though the wind pried with its stiff fingers at the very foundations. Though their melancholy was terrible, it was already late enough in a wild night and the road full of fallen branches and stones. But little by little, as you left their voices behind, the stars began to burn through the sheets of clouds and there was a new voice which you slowly recognized as your own that kept you company as you strode deeper and deeper into the world determined to do the only thing you could do, determined to save the only life you could save. Barbara Brown Taylor reminds us that Lent is 40 days to cleanse the system and open the eyes to what remains when all the comfort is gone. It's 40 days to remember what it is like to live by the grace of God alone and not by what we can supply for ourselves. Friends, we have entered into a journey. It began Wednesday night. It began with Ash Wednesday. It continues through the Sundays, the weekends of Lent. The journey is our spirituality. And we are on a path, the path toward Holy Week, which will come in its own time. Amen.